0: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: Yeah, I am extra Dara, as always. So check it out. Is it election weekend? Is it the most important midterm election of all our lives? Is everything going to be different Tuesday night? Did I buy a bottle of rye to to bust out in case things uh, get too hectic for me to handle? I might, I might have, I might have done that. So, there's a lot going on, right? I hope that you're all either you voted already or you're getting ready to vote. There, are, I have a no excuses, no exceptions rule going this year. You participate in the in the democracy. You benefit from the roads and the. Judges and the general rule of law. Then I want you out there. You got. You don't get to just. I'm just done. I'm done coddling everybody. I. Uh, this is what I tell my kids. I don't want to hear any excuses. You do it, and then you do it again, and then you do it forever. That's what you do. That, these are the rules. These are the laws. Am I unpleasant? I don't care. We got a society to run here. That's what we're doing. And yes, I have my extra mom voice on. You don't hear the side of me too much. You think, oh, she's just fun. Oh, no, I am fun, but I also get stuff done. Very important. Can't, can't be fun all the time. You got to take care of the other people. You got to take care of all the things. Can you take care of them and also have a good life? Yes, you can do that. That's my motto. And that is why I have important guests here today, Molly and Charlie Broder. They are the mother and son behind three of Minneapolis's most popular restaurants. If you're a foodie in the Twin Cities, you've been to Broder's Pasta Bar, Broder's Cucina, a little place with the great New York slices. I was having a kind of rough night the other the other night I was working till eight o'clock. I was like, "Where can I go by myself and have something that's going to make me feel happy Why it was Broder's. as I went I sat there and I got a little you know, a little chicken parmesan and I just was looking around at all the people that were having eight thirty dinner on a Tuesday night and I thought these are my people. Yeah, I could, I could, you know, I can make a committee here and we would get things done. And I also have Terzo, which has that great Italian wine list. Uh, current record holder, I think, is the best Italian wine list in town. So you know them, but you may not know that the family has been trying to change the liquor laws of Minneapolis for the better for quite a long time. They're very involved in getting wine. In- Remember when you could only get wine and core downtown and you couldn't get it anywhere else? Well, Molly Broder was part of making that happen. And they're here to talk to us about the only Minneapolis referendum, the only city of Minneapolis referendum that you will see on the ballot this year. There's a Hennepin County one that's for kids. That's good. Support kids. But the only Minneapolis one is about changing liquor laws. It's kind of confusing to me. Because they start talking about contiguous acres of real of like commercial zoning, and then my eyes glaze over. So we're gonna have Molly and Charlie explain all of this. So Marley and Charlie, Molly and Charlie, welcome to the show. <laughs> Thank you, Dara. All right. Thank so you. so explain. It's we're you're here to talk about the yes on one initiative. What do those random words mean in this context?
2: Well, there's going to be a referendum, as you you mentioned, that's going to ask you if you Support the city, um, removing um, contiguous acre uh, laws from commercial.
1: So it used I'm sorry, to be. I'm not doing a good job. All right. But so it means- you explain this to me in the green room, so now I'll bust it out for the people. So it used to be, or it currently is, that in order to get a. Liquor loss, to make a cocktail, to have a martini, to have all that. You had to be in a zoned area that was seven contiguous acres of commercial zoning. Yes,
2: and this this was about 80%. 80% of the land in Minneapolis is not
1: allowed to serve cocktails. All right, and so people may be saying, but wait a minute. I go out all the time. I've seen cocktails, but wait. There's been a workaround. That's only for the very rich and very connected. And that workaround has been – you explain it. I don't understand.
3: So, um, yeah, and uh, I'd like to add, too, this is current. This is not was. This is happening now. Like um, right now. Right you need now seven and, contiguous and acres. Exactly. And that's that's a lot. Um, you know, that restricts sort of um, cocktails to be served solely in sort of the uptown and downtown uh, areas. There's a, a few grandfathered areas. but. To reference what you were saying, um, uh, there are uh, individuals that have, um, you know, been able to uh, lobby their state re- representatives um, to allow for their locations to be um, uh, to be granted the opportunity to apply for a liquor license, and that's something that actually Broder's Pasta Bar did in 1995 when we uh, wanted to acquire a beer and wine license, but. A lot of people are having to do that again now because cocktails are the thing that uh, a lot of consumers want to enjoy. And that's OK. Something- so let
1: me restate that because that seems nuts to me. So you can get a liquor license in Minneapolis right now if you hire an attorney, lobby the state, get them to pass a bill that says put on a little thing about on a bill. So that says that you can then apply for a liquor license. Correct. That's nuts like that's a that's a closed room smoky room thing that we don't like we don't like those I would it, that agree good with that government and, minneapolis
3: i would agree with that and, and being somebody who runs restaurants the amount of time and energy that that takes is like just it's insane we running restaurants is a very time-consuming and difficult thing in the first place let alone needing to play politics and
1: and it's not fair that's the first thing that i thought when i saw this was like oh so you're telling me that i you know run a four million dollar company i'm gonna and i have attorneys on staff i'm gonna sail through this process but i'm a little mom and pop shop i'm just you know cooking my heart out over here i can't i can't do it like that's not fair that's right it really politicizes
2: the whole thing and and you have to have political wherewithal you have to have a relationship with your representative. You have to have money. Um, And just knowing that a little Mexican restaurant can't serve a margarita unless they are in the right zone or unless they have all this political wherewithal. I can't serve, you know, an Aperol spritz or some kind of uh, drink that goes well with our menu um, unless we go through all of these machinations that are political. All we
1: want to do is run a good little restaurant in the neighborhood. And so people, if this passes... So if we all vote yes on one, which I hope we do, and then we get this passed. So then people still have to go through the liquor license uh, process. Like you still have to go before city council. You still have to get neighborhood approval. You still have to do all those things. It just takes away the state having to get involved.
3: Absolutely. You know, this what this will do is allow for everybody to uh, have the opportunity to apply for whatever license they'd like to apply for Uh, right now. Um, You know, we – in the neighborhoods uh, of Minneapolis, you can get a beer and wine license. It's not opening the floodgates of anything. It's just allowing for opportunities to exist. Um, Everything will still be enforced uh, rigidly as it is always. Um, The city does a wonderful job uh, in uh, providing for opportunities for small businesses and for restaurants. I I really want to emphasize the city of Minneapolis is – wants this – but they can't change it. It's only the people oh, yeah. Actually, of Minneapolis. back that
1: up. I don't understand this at all. So what we have now is this, like, historical charter. and it And so the city council doesn't – wants this to pass, wants everyone to vote yes on one because they are just – uh, in are, this unfair situation, and they're people are having to work around them and go through the state and then come back to them, and it's just complicated. Exactly,
3: and to remove something from the city charter, you need to have a ballot initiative, and the public needs to um, vote uh, overwhelmingly for it, 55 uh, percent plus one. Uh, is the, uh, the the technical there, but and that's that's the point. That's why we're here. Um, so we know. have this
1: old city charter that was basically somewhat trying to make a dry Minneapolis, right? That's where we're we've been undoing it over the last thirty years, piece by piece, and this is the latest piece.
2: Yeah, it goes back to blue laws that you know back to the seventies, and um, they were patrol limits that were set when p- there was foot patrol, and so they decided to tighten it up in the charter.
1: Um, Times have changed.
2: You don't. I remember
1: when you couldn't get a real beer, like south of Lake Street, that you had Mm -hmm. to just get the. Oh gosh, the lingo is like fled my mind. What was that? Three two beer. That's right. The three two. It was really water. Yes, (laughs) It was.
3: You you raise a great point. Um, Times have changed. (laughs) I mean, for somebody who's a second generation restaurant tour, you know, I've been inspired by my. My mother and father, who who pioneered um, opening those laws up a bit, and um, I think there's a lot of other um, young uh, restaurateurs, restaurateurs in general, that want to provide for their uh, for their guests, guests that are asking for cocktails, um, and that's something that we want to do to survive because the restaurant industry is incredibly difficult. Um, so, you know, in my perspective, this is. Something that we uh, as Broders are are championing for the industry overall. Um, it really takes uh, all of us joining together uh, in our in our community of business owners to motivate these types of change, so that we can survive. Uh, and I mean that uh, you know very much so. It's it's a, a very hard landscape, and I think everybody should have the same opportunities that everybody else has.
1: Yeah, I think those are very Minnesota values: uh, fair playing field and we have this really interesting cocktail culture here. I think that Minneapolis St. Paul is one of the best cocktail cultures in the country. And that's partly because people get to play around with the stuff. So you're not going to get your, you know, fancy bitters manufacturers if they can't show off what they do and and make those small uh and a, and you really just because it's still a very usable city, a navigable city, knowable city. You know, it it really only takes uh, one restaurant to shift things quite a bit. I'm thinking right now of the now closed steakhouse in St. Paul with the misleading name, a strip club. Uh, That did so much for cocktail culture just out of, you know, 12 bar seats at a. uh. (laughs)
3: Absolutely. I think you raise a really great point. I think back to the beginnings of my career. Um, And I had the great opportunity of uh, being a a bar back with Johnny Michaels at La Belle Vie as well. And you think about only 10 years ago – well, only 10 years ago, but it was 10 years ago that the the beginnings of that movement started um, sort of there uh, in restaurants like the Strip Club and and grew throughout. But it hasn't really been until you've been able to see – other more innovative type restaurants that often are in neighborhoods to help drive that. I think of, you know, Martina in Lennon Hills is doing amazing things. Um, and it, it's those types of things that get people more exposed to what's possible with cocktails that um, really sorts to drive that culture, and I would agree completely.
1: Yeah, and it allows and, uh, people to tinker and just sort of add to the creative flow. Like, it doesn't have to be the main thing that's happening. Uh, we were talking about Hyacinth, Hyacinth, this new restaurant in St. Paul, and they have a, a very interesting Italian-inflected kind of salty, savory Italian cocktails. And, you know, those are probably not for everybody, but they are one of those things where other cocktail and restaurant people go in and they're like oh very interesting and it kind of sets the ge- gears turning and that can be a big deal in a city but now we have got a situation where you can't have it so i hope that people uh, will vote right. yes on thank, one absolutely. thank you and
2: I, th- I think that it's really a matter of uh, of us being able to provide our customers choice and which is what they like and um we can't compete with restaurants that are doing that good job on the cocktail side and providing those things to their customers, another choice in their restaurant, unless this law changes.
1: Molly, I love that you have taken this on for on behalf of the other restaurants, because you've you've done this many times over the years. You keep like going a bat for the whole community. So,
2: (laughs) yeah, my legacy is going to be the liquor lady. I never (laughs) that's not what I got into it for. (laughs) <laughs> you know, I
3: have great admiration uh for my mom Molly uh because it is true. Um she's sort of showing, you know, me and my brothers but um and now my family that um if you want change in your community, um nobody's going to do that for you. You need to be the driver of that. And Molly Broder is somebody who cares deeply about the community at large. And that's because we can only survive together. And in this day and age, I think that that's a a very amazing thing to see. And secondarily, in this day and age, cocktails have become a lot more palatable because of our sort of climate. I say that in jest because, um, you know, sometimes it's one of those things where you just maybe need a drink after you watch the news. Um, <laughs> and we would love to be that place for you to walk from your house to – get a reprieve and be in a social atmosphere that that is positive and surrounds you with, um, you know, inspiration. So,
1: yeah, Yeah, because this this whole city charter was created in a world in which we didn't have the, you know, the drunk driving laws that we do have, didn't have, um, didn't have so much, didn't have, you know, two working parents, didn't have, you know, it was a a different world.
3: I mean, you think about that time. I mean, there's not many two martini lunches happening anymore. I mean, oh, the, that. the culture of America has changed. And that's something that I like to point out to people that I think there's a lot more conscious approach to uh, alcohol these days. And it's something that uh, is being much more viewed as a, a a benefit to life and an addition to life than a revolution around it. So.
1: All right. Well, Again, everybody, this has been Molly and Charlie Broder here with me, Dara. They they have the restaurants that are just wonderful down by Lake Harriet. The oh Broder's Cucina, Broder's Pasta Bar, Terzo, and they've been talking about this Yes on One Minneapolis uh, initiative to get the liquor laws kind of modernized so that people can just apply through the regular system instead of having to lobby the state to get permission to apply. So that's what this whole yes on one situation is. Can I it's the only really Minneapolis, quick.
3: yeah, on your ballot in the very center on the bottom, it will say city question, and that is the question that we're talking about. Um,
1: it's the only one on it's there? The only
3: one on there, and it talks about uh, liquor licensing and commercial zoning regulations. Vote yes on the only city question on your ballot in
1: Minneapolis. All right, that's the thing to remember. Yes on one. All right, you guys, thank you so much for coming in. Thank you, thank you, Dara. All right, we come back. We're going to get through some Thanksgiving do-ahead recipes. For the first time in all the years of doing this show, I think I picked one wrong recipe. Well, We'll talk about that when we get back. Dara here. All right, so as always, we have some great recipes up at WCCORadio.com. Uh, and... Here's what I have to say about it. I put together, somebody asked me for some kind of, you know, really easy appetizers, and I was just thinking about easy appetizers and I got through, and see if you can pick out the one that doesn't belong, oh, what I was thinking on of one of them. So I know that you know, like you get everybody gathered for Thanksgiving, you want to have something when they arrive, something that just kind of, you know, says hello, welcome, and then you have a Maybe something bubbly or a warm cider. And then you that's how you get kicked off with Thanksgiving, right? But you don't necessarily want things to be difficult. You got almost a billion things to do, right? So many things are happening. It's Thanksgiving. And so these are my Thanksgiving duet recipes. Have you ever done puff pastry cheese straws? These are fun. So you just get a good puff pastry. You're buying it from the store. Get some grated parmesan. You're kind of coating the puff pastry with the parmesan egg wash. You're making long strips and you're just twisting it. You kind of smush the the top and the bottom to this to the tray there so it doesn't peel off. And you just bake them. They're so pretty. They're so delicious. You can do them with children if you got little ones, or you can just have a child or a teenager do them by themselves. They're very satisfying and they're very good Thanksgiving do ahead appetizer or a, a very easy one. The puff pastry cheese straws. You can do them that morning. You can do them the day before. Put them in an airtight container. They're quite nice. All right. So, another nice kind of do ahead one is the herb roasted olives. So, this is a all kinds of fancy restaurants I go to now. I keep finding warm olives. They are delicious. You just buy some mixed olives, maybe from your olive bar at your fancy grocery store, and then you're going to put some herbs in there. Maybe you have some rosemary left over still in the garden. Maybe you just you know, put in some cracked pepper and, and fresh basil in there, whatever you got. Um, and then... You can customize it however you want. You can put in lemon. You can put in orange. You do all kinds of things. And carrot slices. And then you just bake it all together, put it in a warm something-something, a crock, you know, some kind of a nice fancy thing is on your sideboard. Those are delicious. That is a really nice thing to put out so you don't have to fuss with. Again, your teenager can be in charge of this or you can just do it very easy. Now, another one that's pretty fun is the dried apricots with goat cheese and pistachios. So this very, you can do so many of these. They look really fancy. They're quite easy. Just take a dried apricot. You either use the whole thing or slice it in half if you want to spread out your apricots. And then you put a little chev on it. Put a little pistachios on top of that. That is just like a delicious little bite. It goes so well. With wine, it's something that kids like. It's something that food snobs like. It's a good thing to do and very easy. And then there's the one that I don't even know why I put this in here because I obviously had gone briefly insane. Oh no, no, no! First we won't go to this insane one. First we'll go to the ricotta spoonable. Last week, Dory Greenspan on the show was that not a delight? Ah, that'll go in on my life my life list of delights of my life. She is such a hero. So her new book has this uh, ricotta. She takes like some nice ricotta cheese, gussies it up, just puts it in a bowl, and then serve that with some toasts. It's so easy. It's good. All right. And then here's the one where I think I just, my brain went out the door because I was just thinking about like, what do people love? What is the easiest thing in the world to possibly do? And I thought, okay, so. Queso okay, was the easiest thing in the world to do. You just that, that classic. You know, just throw some Velveeta and a can of Rotel chilies and and tomato in a pot, and then all of a sudden I was like, "What is?" I, I was stood back after I published it. I was like, "Wait a minute, that doesn't go on a Thanksgiving sideboard. That's like a football dish. What have I done here? I've gone crazy." So I don't know. So this is a. I think in the five years of doing this show, which has been a delight. Thank you for spending your Saturdays with me. I don't know if I've ever just suddenly the next day been like, that's not the right recipe. I've gone insane. So there you go. I must be so stressed out about the midterms. All right. We come back. We're going to be talking to a wonderful chef in Atlanta, Kevin Rathbun. He is part of the Taste of the NFL. We're going to find out what is going on in the Kick Hunger Challenge right now. I think that I heard that dinner last week was amazing. All right. So we're going to find out more about what's happening in Atlanta and how we can all raise money for our less fortunate when we come back. Dara here. Oh, and tomorrow is Daylight Savings. Jonathan just reminded me in the studio. I was like, she said, You should remind people. I was like, What? What's happening? So, uh, if you knew Daylight Savings, you're ahead of me. If you didn't know, you're with me. And just remember, because by the time the Vikings play the Detroit Lions tomorrow, all our clocks will be different. Uh, So in honor of this game tomorrow, the Vikings versus the Detroit Lions, we've got Chef Kevin Rathbun from Atlanta talking about the work he does for the Taste of the NFL's Kick Hunger Challenge. As you know, I love this uh, charity. It's such a good, smart way of raising money for hunger relief throughout the country. And the way it works is if you live in Atlanta and you donate money to – Kick Hunger Challenge, it goes to support food banks in Atlanta. If you live in New Orleans, it goes to food banks in New Orleans. Like wherever you are, you can help. And if you're a little competitive and you just get take some time and get on to the kickhungerchallenge.com and you say, oh, I'm not going to let you know the Detroit Lions beat the Packers. That's not happening on my watch. You can throw a little money into the pot. Uh, it's a really well-run charity. So Every dollar raised through the Kick Hunger Challenge at Taste of the NFL provides eight meals. Think about that. I couldn't make eight meals in a dollar, but they make it work because they get a lot of matching funds and they're very smart. All right, so I'm very delighted to have Kevin Rathbun on the show, Chef Kevin Rathbun. Welcome,
4: Dara. Hello, how are you? I'm glad to be uh, glad to be here for sure.
1: I am glad you're back. So you, people maybe here in the Upper Midwest, don't know. But you're just a powerhouse. You just run in Atlanta.
4: Well, you know, I do what I can Dare. I mean, you know, five <laughs> restaurants later and uh, just trying to feed America. Right. I guess that's the that's the point of all of it and make people happy.
1: And I wanna, I really appreciate you doing this because you are one of the people in the world who could just spend your time you know, drinking top shelf bourbon and big steaks. But that's not what you do.
4: That's right. You know, I, I, I've been involved with uh, Taste the NFL for almost since the inception now, uh, on and off in different cities. I represented Dallas for a little while, but I've been in now Atlanta for 24 years and have represented the Falcons uh, in Tasty NFL now for 24 years. And, you know, Wayne and I go way back to, uh, you know, the days of uh, – Dallas and Minneapolis. Uh, he was with uh, Goodfellows and Tejas. And, I and that'd was be
1: amazing. Wayne Kostrowski. So Wayne, if people yeah. don't know, Wayne Kostrowski founded this whole thing, Taste of the NFL and uh, Party with a Purpose, all these things, Kick Hunger Challenge. He started this, uh, the the very seeds of it were in 1992 and just raised millions of dollars at this point for hunger
4: yeah it's been a it's been a huge success and it's done a lot for people that are hungry and you know it just continues to get bigger and better and more badass you know it's all good uh kick hunger challenge is is something that uh of course has kind of started uh some years ago uh where you know all these chefs basically representing their teams try to raise money for their local food bank, and hundred percent of the monies that's raised through kick hunger challenge goes directly to uh... each of their food banks within their significant cities uh... you know and it's kind of a game for us you know we're all kind of like all right who's gonna who's gonna take the powerhouse money raiser for uh... Their, you know significant food bank uh... a lot of people wait till the last minute before they put all the funds in so when you go to that page and you see zero don't expect it to be zero because the chefs are holding back.
1: Oh, really? All right. Well, this is yeah. It gets that way. I <laughs> uh, might have some friendly bets on the side. Uh, so that's tell right. you got the stress, right? So you've got the Super Bowl. You don't know who's coming. You know they are coming, and you know you got to put on a party that's got to beat last year's party, right? That's the point.
4: That's that's the plan. The plan is that you know the tasty NFL, of course, being held at the Cobb Galleria here in. Uh, in Atlanta, the night before the Super Bowl is just uh, a party with a purpose. I mean, and, uh, you know, they'll do probably, we'll have probably 3,000 people there. All of their funds go back to this, this charity that, that feeds people in America. And uh, it's uh, it's something to behold. And, of course, you know, Atlanta wants to be, you know, of course, we want to win. You know, I mean, we got to have a little competition friendly, Dara.
1: You got it. I heard, I've already talked to some chefs up here in Minneapolis who have come down to Atlanta to kind of help you plan and get things going. I mean, so it's last year was my first time at a party with a purpose. And it was enormous. It was such a big thing. Like everywhere you look, like there's world famous, you know, football players. And over there, cheerleaders. And over there is a the whole thing going on. And there's some filet mignon and have some shrimp. It was just like, oh, my gosh.
4: <laughs> yeah, it's. Uh, it, I mean, it's an eye opener for sure, and it's. It's it, you know because it's a party with a purpose, and you know each each team has a, an alumni representative, football player there, a lot of Hall of Famers there, a lot of people that you know that that sign autographs. All of these players sign autographs all night, and you know they got a lot of swag. You can get footballs and hats and stuff like that, and get signatures from these guys that have been playing forever and ever and ever. And, you know, like I say, there's quite a few Hall of Famers at the event, and uh, it's just, it's 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 really a special place to be. And, you know, the beauty of it is all your monies are going back to the right place.
1: All right. Well, we are rooting for you up here. Uh, Chef Kevin, thanks for coming on the show today.
4: My pleasure, Dara. I, anytime. You call me anytime. You ever need anything else, I'd be happy to talk you through anything. You want to talk about barbecue? I can do that, too.
1: All right. You're on my speed dial, then. You'll be sorry. All right. I'll be up All right. and think, bothering you. Know, I you. don't know. I, I, haven't really, I haven't really kind of figured out what I'm doing
4: for the Taste of the NFL yet, but because I'm such a steak guy, I'm sure it'll be meat.
1: Well, That's people something. are hungry the night before the Super Bowl.
4: <laughs> That's right.
1: All right. Well, Chef, thank you so much. Uh, everybody, go to tasteofthenfl.com. Go to the kickhungerchallenge.com. We're going to we're gonna make sure that we're not leaving the least behind. We, uh, You know, if you're you can't do anything. You can't look for a job, you can't raise a child. You can't do anything if you're hungry. You know how it is. It's a it's the most important thing. You're you're just going your body just goes into panic. So, that's what we're doing. We're always trying to help people. And we in one way we can help people is going to kickhungerchallenge.com. All right, we come back. It's going to be the ask me anything. You got any questions? Text them 81807. Dara here. All right, so this is the Ask Me Anything part of the show. Okay, a couple of couple of good things on the text line. Dara, I love the show. Thank you. A beautiful fresh figs given to me as a gift. How best to use them? Well, you know, if they're really good condition, you just cut them and then you serve them. They, if you can get a nice like Asti Spumante, it's a bubbly Italian wine. Uh, that's a lovely way to have them. Um, I think figs, this is an odd, maybe an odd thing, but I think they go really well with chamomile tea if you're not a drinker. Uh, that's a just a nice after-dinner thing. You could put them on a plate with some goat cheese or some Parmesan cheese. Uh, but if you want to cook them, if you're just feeling it, fig tarts are the best. Uh, you just you know, make a nice puff pastry shell and put some something in there. Like a little sour cream-based pastry cream, and then cook that. That was delicious. You're lucky. I'm feeling jealous. I got a good question. Um, <laughs> liquor does not need to be part of quality food restaurants. Well, my friend, it already is. You know, so it may you may not think it needs to be, or it doesn't need to be, but it's already happening. You know, so part of the this whole Minneapolis referendum is that the well-connected. The, you know, very deep pocket restaurants, they went through the state legislature and they lobbied and they got theirs. And so this is just evening up the playing field. Uh, You may feel that liquor doesn't need to be a part of quality food restaurants, but do you feel that it's fair that the big guys get this advantage and the little guys don't? Uh, do you think it that we have a, a system that's good for entrepreneurship that is a level playing field? Do you think that, you know, that you get to, to decide how other people eat or drink? I mean, I know people that don't drink liquor or beer, but I mean, don't drink beer or wine, but they do, you know, have a Aperol spritz or something. So, yeah, I just... If there's one thing I would change about this country, is this kind of like how often we're just like judgmental and just deciding people, other people's lives based on what? I don't even know. All right. So I got a, a best sparkler on a budget question. This came in Facebook this week. Somebody was planning a shower. That's very nice. People that plan showers, you are the best because I find them exhausting (laughs) I don't know showers are just my least favorite party of all the parties they're just so the emotions are so high key anyway so I would you know I just think Spanish cava tends to be the best in case that's not but what if that's not your taste like what I like about Spanish cava is that it's dry and a little mushroomy and I find it very very seductive as as a sparkler and some of it is very big brands you know Freshnet things like that Oh, but guess who's at the Galleria next Saturday, 9 o'clock in the morning, drinking bubbly with y'all? That would be me. Anybody wants to come and ask me more sparkler questions in real life, get to the Galleria at 9 a.m. next week. If you were thinking, Dara, how are you going to get to the show? I'm going to make it happen because I'm a working mom, and that's what we do. I had a question from last week about, have there ever been a hot dish restaurant? You know, we're talking about hot pot restaurants, very... Specific genres of restaurant we have everywhere now. Uh, there was a famous one. It was called Hot Dish, like spelled like Hot couture. And that was a wonderful restaurant, but that closed. Uh, the only place I know of that has Hot Dish on the menu that's a real restaurant right now is Dalton & Wade downtown. I was kind of arguing with people about whether. Moussaka is a that Greek dish, if that's a hot dish, because it is pasta. It has a kind of white sauce. It binds it all together. Uh, but then people on the Internet are, are arguing that it's not like that at all. All right, so what's happening? What is else is happening? Know, ask me anything on a part of our life. Um, I need you to vote. That's what's going to happen. I need you to – we've been kind of working up to this all year, Right. We've had farmers on the show who need a new farm bill passed. They need health insurance, kind of sorted out. It is, I, my, so much sympathy for farmers right now. They just keep getting squeezed every which way with rising land prices and uh, scary pesticides and hard to get health coverage. It's just we've got to take care of our farmers. So I need you to vote for them. I need you to vote for the cooks who have children with pre-existing conditions. I have one of those on my Facebook feed all the time, and it is just such a struggle. That one in two Minnesotans has pre-existing conditions. That is just, you know, I think I I hate our, our health insurance system. We need to vote for all the people who are trying to just do good work and lead good lives in this bonkers system. Um, I need you to vote for a return to checks and balances, like our founders intended. You know, all of you, You like oh, I got a nice text saying that you like my mom voice. Well, this is my mom voice. I need you to dig deep, find your ethics and your values, and make sure that they are expressed. I am counting on you. Uh, and then if you've got a kid who's voting for the first time, make them a cake. That is such a cute tradition. I've been seeing those all over my uh, my different feeds. So next week we're going to have Jack Bishop He has got a book about uh, Italian traditions. It's full of atlases and geography. We are going to nerd out about how rivers and oceans have impacted Italian food. I'm very interested in all of that. So till then, may your spirit be as light as a marshmallow meringue on a Thanksgiving pie. And after you vote, I will meet you back here on Off the Menu.
0: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news,